All right. Thank you, worship team, for leading us, getting us started as always. Thank you, Paige, for getting the day going. What a great way to be reminded of, of again, what we've been talking about this morning, of all the ways that God is at work. Uh, so it's fun to be together. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be with you. Thank you for making it through our treacherous weather this morning. Um, as, as always on days like this, our youth ministry will be putting chains on after the service so you can get home safely. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, it's great to have you with us here today. As uh, we start off here this morning, and you heard Bill talk a little bit about today, he started off and said, hey, today is our annual budget vote. And I know when he said that, everyone in here went, thank God I showed up today. That is that is the day I've been waiting for. I'm so excited to hear about that. Um, and sometimes when we have a day like that, you, you kind of think, well, what is, what is going on? And I know for me, growing up, even though attending church quite often as a kid, but not really ever paying attention, in other words, I knew how many lights were in the ceiling more than anything else that went on. And, and some of you are like, yeah, there's 300 in here. So, okay, we got it. But so if I heard like business meeting, it wouldn't make any sense to me because I thought, well, aren't we in a church? And, but what we want to talk about today is the fact that, yeah, there are some organizational things. Because we exist in, in the United States and we're an organization, we have to have certain things. We have bylaws. We have to approve a budget. That's just the way it is. It's financial accountability for us and as an organization. But today is not about a budget. Today has nothing, well, it does have something to do with it, but it's not just that. The budget for us is a reflection of what we believe God is calling us to as a church. And, and that's, those are numbers, those are practical things, those are, those are necessities. It's just, it's just the reality that most of us understand. But today, we don't want today to be about, oh, I showed up on a business meeting. No, today is a celebration, and it's our joining together as a church to say, God, we believe that you are not done working in lives of the people sitting at Seacoast, and you are not done working in the lives of the people that we interact with every single day. Are you guys with me on that? I hope you are, because we're not, we believe that he's not done. And, and sometimes, even when we celebrate communion, it can become so routine, and, and we think, oh yeah, that was something that happened 2,000 years ago. But really, this is something that did happen 2,000 years ago, but it's a reminder that for 2,000 years, Jesus Christ has been transforming lives. And the people you sit around next to here are recipients of that. And maybe you're here today, and this is your first time that you've stepped into a church or back into a church in a long time. And our prayer for you is that you would experience the fact that Jesus still changes lives. And that is what today is about for us. That is what we celebrate this is what it is. So today what I want to do is you're, you're going to hear from me, and then you're going to hear from a couple of our other teaching pastors here today as well. And no, we're not all giving you a 30-minute sermon, so you, it's okay. Uh, this is actually, these are the days you look forward to because they're all very short, so it keeps going on. Uh, it'll move quickly. But what we want to do today is remind ourselves of the high level of what do we believe, how are we, what do we believe that God is calling us to, kind of that 50,000, 40,000 foot view of a church, uh, and, and we want to hear some stories and even just celebrate what we believe God is calling us to in the years ahead. So first of all, I just want to remind you, what is, why do we exist? We say it this way, we exist uh, to help people uh, discover life in Jesus and learn to follow him. There it is. We exist to help people discover life in Jesus and learn to follow him. Now, we believe that all of this is about what Christ has done. 
In Matthew chapter 16, there's this great passage from 13 to 20 where Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. And he asks them, and he says, who do you say I am? Who do people think I am? And in the context of this story, even, they're outside of the borders of Israel. They're actually in a Roman uh, town that had, was paying allegiance to Caesar. There was a temple to Caesar there. There was a temple to the god Pan there. This was not a religious place. This is not where you take your youth group on a little field trip. But Jesus took his disciples to this place and said, who do you think people think I am? It's the most bizarre place you would take someone to have this theological conversation. And Peter's response, uh, he steps up, and he's one of the disciples, we believe he's probably the oldest of them at the time, and he looks at him, and he said, well, I believe that you are the Christ, meaning the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, the one all the prophets have been speaking about, the one who's coming to deliver us and take away the sins of the world. So Peter says, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, blessed are you, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the Father in heaven, that you are hearing truth, and this is truth. And then he goes on, and and two things happen here. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new name, Peter. He used to go by the name of Simon, which kind of meant small pebble. And he said, I'm now going to call you Peter, which is the strong rock. And he said, I'm going to change your very identity As I work in your lives, you're going to be different. And then he says, and I want you to know, upon this rock, and and, and let's not make a mistake to think the rock is Peter. Peter is not the rock. But it's the confession and it's the truth that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He said, upon this rock, upon this truth that you just proclaimed, I will build my church. And the idea of church there isn't Seacoast Community Church, although we're part of it. The church is the global church gathering of people who are loyal to Jesus, who pledge our allegiance to Jesus. And we don't have time to get into that whole story. We've talked about it before, but this town of Caesarea was called a ecclesia. It was a, which is our word for church, but it was an ecclesia to Caesar. It was a gathering of people who were loyal to Caesar. So he says, what I'm going to build is my gathering of people who are loyal to me, and it's going to go throughout the earth on this truth. So as Seacoast Community Church, we want our, we exist that we, to help people discover life in Jesus, and it's based on Jesus, period. It's not based on me. It's not based on our music. It's not based on our teaching. It's not based on our kids' program or youth program or what the buildings look like on the inside or on the outside. It's based on Jesus. That's who we build this church upon. And actually, we don't build it. Jesus builds it through us. And also the other part of that is, well, because we believe ultimately that this life is the best life to live. That's the other piece of that. Why do we want this? Because we believe that Jesus is still in the business of changing lives and transforming us. We believe this is the best life to live. So we exist to help you discover life in Christ. Now let me tell you this. We, we say this, I hope this isn't news to you. If this is the first time you've heard this, I hope it's your first time here. So this is something that we should all have heard a few times before. For us, discovering life in Christ isn't just becoming a Christian. In fact, we believe that discovering life in Christ isn't becoming a Christian, it's becoming Christ-like. Because we, we want you, for the first time, to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, to be transformed and forgiven for your past, present, and future sins. 
But we also want to be people who are being transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. So when we say discover life in Christ, don't think, well, I've already done that, so now what do you have for me? Because as we grow, as we transform, as we go through pain in this world, as we go through joys in this world, those are moments that God takes us and works on us and transforms us more and more into his image. Aren't you glad that the person you were when you first became a Christian was not as good as it gets. Anyone with me on that? Spouses, aren't you glad (laughs) that your spouse isn't as good as it gets when they first gave their life to Christ? That there's transformation. In fact, turn to the person next to you and just say, hey, you're not as good as it gets yet. Go ahead, tell them, remind them. (laughs) Sarah started the day and told me that right away. Just, hey, just so you know. This is good news that discovering life in Christ is a lifelong endeavor. It's good news that we discover what this means more and more. This, just this last week, uh, Sarah and I had the privilege of hanging out with, uh, there was uh, 10 other lead pastors and their spouses from North County. Uh, it's a group that I meet with every month, but this time we went out and spent a couple days just having a retreat together, praying together, and even talking about, well, our subject was Life in the fishbowl was our subject this week. What is that like to have a marriage when you're in the fishbowl? I'll talk, explain another time. <laughs> but what was so encouraging is to sit there with each other and to think as we look through what has happened in, in our group in the last year, there was a lot of tough things. There was spouses who went through cancer. There was people who went through just turmoil in their churches and, and were there together and realizing that in those moments, sometimes in your marriage, in your personal life, sometimes in your professional life, that God takes those moments of pain or hardship, and that's when he, we start to trust him more and believe in him more, where we actually have our faith grow even more. This, uh, just yesterday, I was talking to a dear friend of mine whose brother tragically passed away a couple months ago, and I was talking to him about just kind of how he's doing now, and he said, you know what, Ryan, I've always given people the right answer when that happened. I've always been able to encourage them and say, you know, you just have to trust God. He's at, he's at work somehow. And he goes, I always just gave them Bible verses and told them it would be okay. And now here I was two months after that happened and I was depressed and I was giving up. And I even turned to a coworker who was not a Christian and said, hey, let's just go out and get wasted tonight. And his non-Christian coworker looked him in the eyes and said, no. He said, that's not who you are. That's not, that's not the person that you've been telling me about for my whole, uh, all, all this time together. And he said, this non-Christian who doesn't really even believe steered me back and showed me that God was still at work. See, it's a business of transformation that, that Jesus is in. And we're discovering life in him every step of the way. So we exist that we may all discover life in Jesus. Each step. Each step. And learning to follow him is what that means. Essentially that. What does it look like in each phase of life to be Christ followers? So that is the core of who we are as a church. So the things that we do when we gather on Sunday mornings, we want to point you to Jesus. When you go through pain and we have people who walk with you in our care groups or in your life group or in some of our recovery groups, the point is that eventually you see how Jesus is at work in your life and that he still changes lives. And sometimes we give money and we look in the budget and see like, wow, we spend money on electricity. That's not very fun. 
But we know part of it's just a reality, create an environment where we can come and hear, where we can encourage one another, when we can sing songs and be reminded of truth. And I don't know about you, but coming back week after week and remembering the truth is good for me. So that's why we do that. Now, part of this, we, we have just three statements that we talk about of what does it look like for us specifically as a church, helping people discover life in Christ. These are not unique to us. Many churches have it, but this is how we word them. First is this, in doing that, we want to be a home for those who are lost and wandering in their faith. We want to be a home for those lost and wandering in their faith. We want to be a place where, where you can feel at home where, at what, however you are living, whatever thoughts are going through your mind, with other doubts you might have, what, wherever you're at, we want to create an environment where you feel like there's people who love you, care about you, and who will journey with you. It's at the deep part of my heart when I look at our kids and our youth, knowing that they are going to face many, many challenges as they grow up. We want our teenagers and our young people and our young adults to have a safe place to come and say, you know, I don't feel like I have it all figured out right now. And for us to say, well, why don't you go get it figured out and then come back to the holy ones? (laughs) But to rather say, you know what? We're with you on that. We're with you on that. We want to have a home for those who are lost and wandering, a home for those who are searching. You and I have friends and family members who don't know Jesus, I'm sure. You might be someone here this morning who does not know Jesus. I hope you feel at home. We don't want to be a place where you show up and feel like you no longer fit in or you don't fit in with the people around you. We want you to feel radically loved by the people sitting next to you, by the people who greet you, the people who make coffee for you. This is at the core of who Jesus was, too. We've been looking at the last few weeks, life after Easter, and how the heart of God was to bring his people back into relationship with him. So that's at the core of who we want to be. We want to be home for those lost and wandering in their faith. I don't know about you, but for me, it's such a great joy when I hear stories of transformation. Last week, when we celebrated baptisms, it was great to hear Courtney, who stepped out. She was in here a little bit earlier, but to hear her story of she wasn't so much, she grew up in the church, but she was self-proclaimed as if you were here last week, said, I wandered away. I went through a series, a, a period of time in my life where I just kind of walked away from God and the women in her life who still loved her, cared about her, and made a home for her to have her doubts and struggles. And I want to thank the, the MOPS leadership and those in the women's ministry who really kept loving her, loving her, and, and helping her know that she is still a beloved child of God. And last week as she was baptized, said, I came back home to Jesus. That's what we want to be about. The next part of our statement, the next statement in, in a moment, Matt will talk about a little more, is we want to be a family of disciples being transformed by the good news of Jesus. We believe that this life is not meant to live alone as we read through the scriptures. And last week, the last couple weeks, we looked at Acts chapter 2. This was a church that was living and blessing their world, but they were doing it in the context of community. We want to be a family of disciples being transformed. Here's that idea of being transformed again. We want to be changed into ever-increasing likeness of who Jesus is. Now, it was funny. I just heard this statistic last week. I don't know if it's a made-up one or not, but it was good. So I'm going to share it, but... He said, 80% of, of people who, who show up and attend your churches, they don't really want transformation. They just want kind of transaction in the sense of, hey, you know what? Let's just do this thing. Let's, let's just help me kind of get through what I need to get through in life. 
And then he said, but 80% of pastors want transformation. We dream of, oh, look at all the lives that are being changed and how, you know, and, and again, it's a made up statistic, but the idea is this, that at our nature as humans, we don't always want to be transformed. We don't always want to be changed. But Christ is in the business of changing lives. So our second thing is we want to be a family of disciples being transformed by what? The good news. Not by our efforts, not by our works, not by our religion, by Jesus. And then finally, we want to be a movement of people blessing the cities or blessing the neighborhoods in which we live and work. And uh, you'll hear about that in just a moment. And again, that's as we're being transformed, we want to make a difference with the people we interact with day after day. So as we continue on with this morning, I want to invite Gabe Calzada up, and he's going to uh, just pray for us as we transition our time as we think about the first piece, and that is being a home for those lost and wandering in their faith. So Gabe is one of our elders, a great guy. So Gabe, take it from here. I'm done. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Uh, let's just open in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful. We want to start this morning by just giving thanks Thank you for waking up this morning in a beautiful part of our country, San Diego, where our worst weather day is the best weather day in many other parts. Lord, we're so grateful for Ryan, our lead pastor, such a talented leader, our staff, everyone in this community that gives so much. We're just so grateful. Lord, we pray for those other churches, synagogues, just in our own community that are suffering and are hurt, where they lose their lives because of their faith. Places like Sri Lanka, Lord, we pray for those places. Lord, as I look out across this congregation, Lord, many of us know each other very well, many of us don't know each other. But the one thing I know is that this is a home where each and every one of us is committed to each other, to share each other's burdens, to help each other in times of need, to celebrate. And why do we do this? We do this because we have Jesus in our lives, our greatest blessing. Lord, we're so grateful for Jesus and what he's doing in this community. Lord, we learn so much by reading the Bible. In Psalm 139, we learn about how to live our lives. That, Lord Jesus, no matter where we are in our lives, no matter what we believe, you love us. You will pursue us. You will be there. No matter how hard we turn away from you or how hard we turn to you, you will come across that horizon and be there for us just so grateful. Seacoast is a beautiful place, Lord. I pray that each and every one of us is filled with the Spirit to welcome those that are lost. When the world breaks their heart, when it steals their heart, Lord, that they may come to Seacoast, that we may welcome them, we may love on them, we may say, rest, eat, you're safe. You're safe because we have a community that loves on each other. And why do we love on each other? Why do we give so much of ourselves? Because so much was given for us. I pray that we walk away and not forget that today. In Jesus' name I pray. All right, part two. The sequel's always the, well, sequel's, I don't know. I'm the Empire Strikes Back of this morning. Uh, yeah, I just want to uh, tackle really quick this idea of being a family 
of disciples being transformed by the good news of Jesus. I think the first thing that, to, to kind of highlight and double click on here, and Ryan mentioned it, is that it's the gospel that transforms us. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus that transforms us. Uh, you see, like we live in a world that's inundated with so many substitute saviors, so many things out there promising to give us uh, to fix ourselves, promising to improve our lives, to transform us. But we here at Seacoast, we believe it's the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that that is what transforms us. That is what changes us. That is what grows us. And so we want to be a church that's not just here dispensing good advice. We're not in the business of good advice. No one ever was transformed by merely hearing good advice. What transforms us is hearing and believing the good news of Jesus. And so this morning, uh, as we talk about this idea of family now, because um, it's entirely possible for us to, to grow um, in the church, and I, I know that from my own story, I spent a long time being in the church and kind of have a very churched background, but it's entirely possible to grow into the church and completely miss Christ. So we want, we are, we want and we are called to, to grow in maturity, grow into Christ, not merely into the church. But what's really cool is that God loves to provide the context for us to be transformed. And that's really what the church is, and like our community and us coming together as a family of disciples, of followers of Jesus. It's the context in which we grow. It's the context in which we get to experience more of Jesus, more of his love and his grace. And so this morning, I just want to invite Alex up. He's going to give us a, we're going to do a little, little story time, a little story time. Oh, yeah, I'll grab that mic. I've been so, it's been really cool to get to know. Yeah, it's been really cool to get to know Alex over the last year and to hear his story about how family, how Seacos as a family, how God has used that in his life. And so I want to just have him share it with the family this morning. So Alex, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Ooh. Um, so why don't you just for context sake, just kind of give us the, the overview of the last year, year and a half of what's gone on in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So um, about a year and a half ago, I moved out to California. But before that, um, two years ago, uh, I was in the Navy. I uh, made some regrettable decisions and bad mistakes. And that kind of brought a lot of pain and shame upon myself. And it ultimately ended up with me uh, having to separate from the Navy early um, and move back home. Uh, and that caused a lot of pride issues and just a lot of guilt and shame. And it really, like, uh, I was wearing that, and I was on that to divide that from uh, my family back home. I uh, kind of felt like I was in a desert back there. And then just uh, got encouraged by a friend who was living out in San Diego at the time. Uh, he's like, why don't you come on out and uh, check it out? So I prayed about it and then packed up the stuff. And a week later, uh, I was out here um, and kind of got invited to Seacoast, but at the time I'm still wearing that shame and that guilt, um, kind of allowing me to divide from uh, uh, me and God at the time. And just, uh, yeah, so then I got out here, got plugged in, or it plugged in, in a group and everything like that. And um, well, just kind of got plugged into Seacoast Kids Ministry. You'll see me over there. But uh, yeah, there's been a lot of transformation from the gospel going on between then and now. I love it. So, here you were experiencing so the the stuff that happened with the navy the those the mistakes the failures all of the mess the dynamics with your family you kind of mentioned a little bit of, of the things you were feeling there but what was it that you in those times looking back 
maybe in the moment it was kind of, you don't really know, but looking back, what was it that you were believing about who God is and then who you are, your identity, as as all that's going on? Yeah, so um, as I said before, you know, have that guilt and that shame on me. I was allowing that. I was allowing the enemy was using that to make me perceive that there was a division between me and God and a separation there and that, you know, I was not worthy to, like, do anything and I was not able to, like, help or serve or, like, my past was always going to pull me down and keep me down in that rut and it was uh, just going to be kind of a painful rest of my life just dealing with that and, you know, wearing that wool blanket in the desert, so. It's a nice word picture. I think a wool blanket at any point in time is really uncomfortable. You've never been to Michigan, It's like Matt. so itchy. Um, so you come here to Seacoast. You get connected. You get embedded. How has God used Seacoast to be, provide the, uh, you know, the family and to, to change your beliefs about who he is and who you are? Uh, yeah. So, you know, like I said, I got out here, moved in with some guys, got invited to Seacoast um, with one of my roommates, um, started coming here. He's like, why don't you come, you know, to the young adults group? things like that. So I started, you know, I was like, well, I'll go through the motions, you know, I'll put it on the, put on the face, but at the, you know, God's, me and God are apart right now. So, um, so yeah, I started going through that and just meeting some awesome people in the Seacoast community that were just, uh, you know, at the time I wasn't letting God work in me, but you know, he works in us and around us. And, uh, so he was using those guys, um, around me to just use, use themselves and just pray for me and encourage me and just kind of give me, um, you know, that, that courage that I needed to kind of take that next step and really break that, break that chain. Was it kind of scary, the idea of, hey, I want to volunteer for kids ministry, but I've got a past. I've got, <laughs> what yeah, was that absolutely. like? Um, so with these mistakes I made, like I said, it's like, well, how, what kind of example am I to, you know, kids in this um, instance? You know, we're talking about service and how God calls us to do that. And, uh, you know, I was just really believing the, the lie of identity is what we do and not uh, who God is. So then, as I was encouraged to do that, and these guys praying for me, and just and I just like was like, all right, got to do it, you know, uh, buck up and do it. So I go and I talk to Devin and kind of a couple months ago, and get plugged into kids ministry. And I'm as I'm going through that and continue God using the people around me, you know, kind of lightening my heart on that, and just kind of starting to realize that you know that it doesn't matter like what you're not identified by what you did in the past, but like your identity in Christ is his son going to die on the cross, and that's all that matters. And it's a perfect sacrifice, and you can never be apart from him. Um, so that's what it's been to me. Oh, it's huge. It's amazing the, the kind of lies that the enemy will throw our way in order to just get us off track, to lose sight of who God is, what he's done, how he has shaped us, our identity, that all of that stuff. It's huge. And I'm so thankful that God has used Seacoast to be a place and a context for that truth to, to sink in. What would be your, your thoughts, encouragement for someone who, I mean, in this room with this many people, there's, I mean, there's a lot of people here and we have, we all have our messes. We all have our stories. What would be your encouragement to someone who's sitting here feeling disqualified, feeling unqualified? I've, you know, I can't, I've gone too far. Uh, yeah. My advice to you guys would just be, you know, don't believe those lies. And, um, and if you're having trouble like getting over those, cause those are, it's a tough thing to get over, right? Cause it's, um, but just, you know, reach out to those around you. Like I, you know, my story is a prime example of God using those around me to just really encourage me and, you know, just show his light through them. Um, and just don't be afraid to reach out and talk about it. Like get it on the table and let's, you know, let's bring Jesus to the world. Let's do this. Yeah. 
I'm going to read this, and Chelsea, why don't you come on up, and you can uh, pray for us. I love what Paul says here. He writes to the church in Ephesians. Uh, He says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I love that prayer because that's what we get to do as a family. We get to help provide that context and be a place for us to grow in our knowledge and experience of, of experiencing God's love for us. It's not about trying. It's about trusting. Trusting in the love and grace of Jesus as a family in all of life. So let's pray. Yeah. And even just before that passage even starts, it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father from whom every family on heaven and on earth is named. And so let's bow our heads to the Father who's named each one of us and brought us here. God, I thank you so much for the gift that it is that we get to be part of a family in our experience of you. I thank you that your example when you sent your son here on earth was that he was always existing in a family context. Uh, He brought brothers together to be disciples. He taught them to be children together under him. And I thank you that we get to follow that example for 2,000 plus years until you return. God, I pray a blessing over everyone's hearts in this room. I pray that you would be unifying us as families and would be breaking down any lies, number one, that are keeping us from feeling like we can connect to the people next to us. But God, I also pray that you're breaking down our misunderstandings of family. Uh, Family is so broken, like everything else in this world, God. And there are some people here who don't know how to relate to you as a father or who don't know how to relate to the people next to them as a family and truly love that. And I pray that you would break that stronghold today. That if there's someone in this room who doesn't know what the word family really means, that you would just gift them with that breaking of that chain and then start today as their fresh time to really connect here as a family. We thank you so much for all that you are and all that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Yeah, you could clap for that. That's a great focus. That's a great focus for our vision. As Ryan mentioned, uh, there's a third aspect, though, to our dream for you at Seacoast and our dream for Seacoast as a church. Uh, Yeah, it begins with being that safe place, that home for the lost and wondering, that people who are seeking and, and in need of the revelation of the gospel and the good news can come and feel safe. It's a, it's a home, and then a home creates a family. You connect. You don't just come here to, to find a home, but you find a family of disciples that are growing at the good news of the gospel like you just heard. But this third element is a little different in that we also view ourselves as a church as a movement, as a movement. In fact, the full statement is this. It's a movement of people blessing the neighborhoods in which we live and work. Now, it's been said that every person, I read one study by a psychologist once that said every person to be a healthy person, uh, a contributing person needs three things. They need a sense of belonging or love, a sense of, of competence or ability, and a sense of significance or purpose. And you know, when I think about this threefold vision statement for Seacoast, what I get excited about is it addresses exactly those three things. In Christ, 
which is our focus, you find your home in his love. In Christ, we grow as a family of disciples. But then also in Christ, we believe you discover your real purpose, real significant, as we engage not just with Jesus Christ, but with the movement that he has created called the church. In other words, that we are blessed by his grace, not just to receive the blessing, but to become a blessing, and especially in those neighborhoods in which we live. It's not a new idea. Uh, One of Ryan's favorite verses that I like is Genesis 12. Ryan's an Old Testament guy. He loves going back in the Old Testament. And uh, in Genesis chapter 12, the very first time that God called Abraham to follow him, he said this. It's on the screen. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you And then the abbreviated version, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So we are blessed, but we were blessed to be a blessing. Jesus picked up the exact same theme, of course, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Here's the abbreviated version of that. You are the salt of the earth. Love that. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they see your good works, they experience the love of God as you tangibly touch and love them and end up glorifying your Father in heaven. So they make that connection between the good things we do, not to show us off, but to, to, but, but to glorify our God, our Father in heaven. Um, At Seacoast, I have the privilege of serving in kind of a unique role now. I have the honor of being part of the teaching team, and I love doing that. Uh, But I also help our 50-plus members, kind of my generation, all right? Not that I'm there yet, but I'm approaching it. Yeah, you can laugh at that. Right, okay. And we encourage them to find a home at Seacoast, connect to a family at Seacoast, We also encourage them to engage in this movement concept, to find a place to serve and to connect with the mission of the church and the mission of Christ. I also have the honor of serving as one of your missionaries, uh, mostly focused with my wife Becky on training pastors in leadership and family life throughout about six different countries in Africa. Uh, So it's a a unique ministry. Now, in the 50-plus side of what we do, though, one of the things we talk about is discovering real purpose for this phase. What we like, we like to call it the third third of life, not like the autumn of life. That's like right before winter, taking the big dirt nap, okay? I'm not talking about that. But all of us, if you think of life in thirds, when you think of it that way, you kind of spend the first 50 years of your life discovering what you're good at and getting your education, doing whatever God has wired you and called you to do in your career. And then that third third, we believe, needs to be the best part of life in which you take all the blessings that God has given you, your education, your training, your experience, and even your money. You take all those blessings and you say, now how do I use those in the third third of life to make an impact for God, an impact and move the movement of the church forward. Now, where do we do that? In our vision statement, we use the word neighborhoods. Uh, It's a movement of people blessing the neighborhoods in which we live and work. So it starts with where we live. Yeah, it starts with the literal neighbors, okay? Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus said. Well, how about starting just across the street? Right where we live in Encinitas, we want to be a blessing to our city. We want to be a blessing to all the cities in which we live. 
But neighborhoods today are not limited to geography. In our lifestyle in modern-day America, most of us have another neighborhood. It's where we work, or if you're a student, where you go to school. Because you spend more time in the workplace than you do in your geographical neighborhood. So that's our mission field. That's where God wants us to be moving into that, loving them for the sake of Christ, sharing the dream of knowing Christ. But then our dream and our vision is that we do this together. We don't just do it individually, but together we're a movement of people taking our blessings, time, treasure, and talent, and seeing how can I bless the world for the sake of Christ. But Jesus kicks it up one more notch. Jesus defines our neighborhood in this way. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, that would be our Encinitas, in all Judea and Samaria, the region, that's kind of like our North County, but even to the remotest parts of the earth. That's global. That's a global movement. See, the church of Jesus Christ is a family, yes, but it's a global family. The church with a capital C is, is a global movement of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, all around this world. So God says, I want you to care not just about America even, I want you to care about the world. And it's why, by the way, that Becky and I felt called a few years ago to shift our focus after almost 40 years of ministry to try to care for pastors in Africa. Uh, you know, since the average pastor, there's a few of our partners in Africa, as we focus on training them uh, with biblical principles of leadership and family life. Why? Because the average pastor has the equivalency of an eighth grade education and no formal theological training. And yet many of them are being used by God to pastor churches of a thousand or more people. And they're, and they're being buried by the demands. They don't know how to handle it. So it's our privilege, with your help, because we're one of your missionaries, it's your funding that helps us do this. And what a privilege. And what we're trying to do, though, is this. I'm not saying that all of you should do what we're doing, but all of you should say, God, in the first part of my life, whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50 years, doesn't matter, at every phase of life, what are the blessings that you've given me? What have you taught me? What am I best at? What do I have to offer the world? And then find a place in the world where you can invest that for the kingdom of God. And start when you're young. Don't wait till you're in your 50s. We have a saying that we use in 50 plus that goes like this. Don't spend your life, invest it. You can spend your life easily, but it takes some thought and planning to invest it. How do you invest your life? Time, talent, treasure. Those are the three main things God has given to every one of us to different degrees, but invest it for his kingdom. I want to kind of give you a, a summary statement that wraps this up, and it says like this. I believe joy comes from generosity. And generosity is investing, investing your best in something bigger than yourself. Saying investing your best in something bigger than yourself. It's not just for 50-plus people. It's for every generation in the church. Um, one of the fun illustrations I like to share about this investing treasure comes from the life of my own wife when she was a child. And children at Seacoast can do this. 
She used to get a buck a week from her parents as an allowance. And every Sunday, she came to church with one dime, put it in a little envelope, wrote her name, uh, and dropped it in the offering as a contribution, one-tenth of whatever God gave her. That habit stuck. And to this day, by God's grace, for 44 years of marriage, we've been doing that, taking a tenth of whatever God blesses us with or more and being able to give that away for the kingdom. I recommend you try it. Another of my favorite illustrations here in the church is one of our older members, Doris Shirk. Doris is the youngest 96-year-old you will ever meet. And she worships with us, but she doesn't just come and worship and say, oh, I'm 96, would you take care of me? No, she helps handle babies to help in the nursery and in the past. And she's been involved in our tutoring ministry throughout the week with, with kids from this neighborhood. She's loving her neighbors. So where have you been blessed? Time, talent, treasure. Last week, I picked up Ryan saying this to me and to us. Don't come to Seacoast as a consumer saying, so what can I, what are you, what are you going to give me today? What can you do for me? But come as a contributor. Come engaging in a movement that has eternal significance. Now that is life. That's our dream for you. We want one of our members that's engaged in this, Kristen Guy, Kristen, to come on up. Where's Kristen? Here she comes. And uh, lead us in prayer that we would be a movement, okay? Good morning. Lord, thank you. Um, thanks for bringing us together this morning. Um, I want to start off just by thanking you for the people you put in each of our lives that have reached out to us and took the time to either share something with us through words or just show us a little bit more of how you love us. Um, we pray that we would become that person for many more people and continue to add to our numbers here. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you also just for entrusting us with um, this city and the area around us and the people in this area. Um, we ask this morning that you would give us your more of your heart and give us your eyes for the people that we come into contact with help us more than ever before to really see who they are, um, to see them in a way that you see them, uh, and to love them wholeheartedly. Um, I ask boldly this morning that you would send us out this afternoon and this evening, and that each one of us might come into contact with just one new person that we can really see the way that you see them. Uh, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit as we go out today, that we would love each other well, and that we might share that love with the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.